Hey guys, I'm Sam Cooper and today we're going to be continuing our exploration of what it means to be an awakened church. And today we'll be looking at what it means for an awakened church to be a scattered church. Because I believe that when God's church is scattered, the gospel spreads. If you have a Bible, it'd be great if you could turn to Acts chapter 8, where we'll be reading from chapters 1 through to 8, which says this. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And what we see throughout the Bible is that God is in the business of scattering, that God scatters his people for the purpose of evangelism to see the gospel carry to the ends of the earth. Back in Genesis 11, we read how the people gathered at the Tower of Babel are scattered across the nations. In Exodus 1, we read how God's people, the Israelites, are under the oppression of the Egyptians. And it says in verse 12, the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. And here we read that the early church was scattered in Jerusalem. And the first thing we notice is that it's often through persecution that this scattering is initiated as we read in verse one. Persecution simply means to be pursued by the enemies of Christ. And this is something that Jesus said everyone who follows him should expect. But what is clear throughout church history, and even today, is that great persecution often leads to a great dispersion. One person who knew this better than most was a guy called Watchman Nee. He was one of the great Chinese pastors of the church at a time when they were facing strong opposition from the government. I love a story of one time when Watchman Nee was due to give an address to the underground church leaders. The secret police caught wind of this meeting though and they planned to turn up in plain clothing under the orders to arrest Nee as soon as he stood up and began to speak. Nee found out about this plan of the police and yet he was still insistent that he wanted to go and encourage the believers. And so on the night he got up on the stage and he took hold of the glass next to the lectern and he smashed it on the ground, shattering it into pieces with a look of smugness on his face. He waited a moment and then he changed his expression from one of looking smug to one of horror and disbelief, frantically trying to pick back up the pieces and put it back into the same glass, but it was to no avail. Then he walked off the stage and left the venue without being arrested. The secret police were left thinking, what on earth has just happened? But all of the believers knew exactly what Ni had done. In essence, he told a parable where he represented the Chinese state or government and the glass represented the church. He was making the point that the government in their hatred had tried to destroy the church, smashing them and dispersing them throughout the country. And yet, to their disbelief and to their horror, all this was going to do was drive the believers further beyond their control to disperse them to a point where the gospel could not be contained. And we believe this was one of the key factors in the great revival we saw in China. 
And so when God's church is scattered, the gospel spreads. And so I'd love us to ask, how does this speak into our current situation? Well, we find ourselves scattered along with many others. And in this scattering, I believe that there is a fresh opportunity to share the gospel. It was a Chinese church pastor that said, don't waste a good crisis. But instead, I want to encourage us in this season to ask the Lord, why have you put me on the earth for such a time as this? It was Alan Scott, pastor of the Anaheim Vineyard, who said that the next move of God is not a movement in the church, but a movement of the church. And so looking at this passage, it'd be great if we can explore what are some of the marks of a scattered people? What are some of the lessons we can learn from the early church in this crisis? Because whilst the cultural circumstances are different, I believe that the opportunity is the same. And so the first mark of a scattered church that we read about is that there is a collective ownership of the gospel. We read in verse one that all except the apostles were scattered and that Philip, the one we read in verses four to eight, moving in signs and wonders and preaching the gospel was a deacon, a servant of the church. And the theme we see throughout Acts is that power is given and made available to everyone. One of our core values here at the vineyard is that everyone gets to play. And that is what we see outworked here. In this season, I've enjoyed discovering more of God's heart for the unreached of this world. And something that fascinates me is the rapid multiplication we see among believers in the Middle East and in North Africa in particular. As I've heard these accounts, I believe that the key to this transformation of whole communities that we see is ordinary people achieving the impossible. I love hearing stories of cart drivers who've resolved to share the gospel with every person that they deliver from village to village. And in doing so, have seen whole churches planted and formed and communities transformed. And it's funny because this is exactly what Jesus did in the New Testament. Jesus chose people with absolutely no credentials to be his disciples, to show us what he can do through ordinary people, equipped with God's word and empowered by the Holy Spirit. He used the same people to lay the foundations of a global movement and to write one of the most dangerous and earth-shattering books in humanity's history through the Holy Spirit. The early church was simply unstoppable, and if he can do it through them, then he can do it through us. And so I think part of having a collective ownership of the gospel means seeing that we are a part of something much bigger than ourselves. Further on in verse 14 of the passage, we read that when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And so we see that whilst the apostles saw their responsibility to the church in Jerusalem, they also recognised what God was doing beyond the four walls of their church and participated and offered their support. And so for us, I think this means enlarging our perspective to God's global mission. In the Great Commission, Jesus told us to go and make disciples of all nations. And one of the things that I've been shocked to learn in this time during lockdown is that 30% of the world still have no means of hearing the gospel. That's roughly 3 billion people who are classed as being completely unreached. And so this should prompt us to ask the Lord how he wants us as a church to respond at this time, to engage with what he is doing globally. And I believe that that will look different for all of us as individuals, 
For some, it might look like partnering in prayer with some of the unreached nations. For some, it might be giving financially. For others, it might be being the person that takes the gift to the countries. I know for me, one of the most life-changing experiences and opportunities to grow in my faith was being able to spend time short-term with persecuted believers in Southeast Asia. And so that might be something that the Lord is calling more of us to in this season. The second mark that we see of a scattered people is that they preach the word wherever they went. In verses four and five, the writer of the book of Acts, Luke, uses two verbs to describe preaching and proclaiming the kingdom. He uses the verb euangelizo in the Greek, which means to bring good news. And he also uses the verb keriso, which means to herald, or as we define it, to announce or signal that something is approaching. And I love this because it's exactly what we saw Jesus doing from the very beginning of his ministry. In Mark 1, Jesus declares, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Jesus declared the coming of the kingdom and we are invited to proclaim the same coming of God's kingdom here in our city. And so the question for us is, are we ready to share what we have? Are we willing to share our hope in Jesus? Because the reality is people across our city are yearning It says in the Old Testament that God has set eternity in human hearts. And so whether we clock it or not, people are looking, seeking for something more to life. And I believe that with the spirit of God in us, people will see something different in the way we live our lives. And so let's be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have and intentionally seek out opportunities and moments in our day to day lives where we have a chance to do so. We also read in verse six the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs that he performed. And so in the early church, there was both a communication and a demonstration of God's kingdom. And what is crucial, I think, is that if we are to be an awakened church, we need both. In Matthew 22, Jesus is confronted by the Sadducees, uh, one of the religious groups of the day. And he says this to them, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. The Sadducees missed both. And I believe that God's call for the church in this season is to be a people that both love the scriptures as much as we do the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. It was R.T. Kendall that said, the greatest achievement that the modern church could possibly witness would be the restoration of God's glory. There is no greater goal, an aim than which no greater can be conceived. It would come, I believe, by bringing the word and the spirit together in emphasis and experience. So church, if we are to see a great awakening in our generation, we need to be a people of both the word and the spirit. The third mark of a scattered church that we see is that they are a church that breaks down cultural barriers. Notice that they preached the word wherever they went. It wasn't necessarily about where they were going as much as what they were doing. What is key is that there is always an outward focus as God pushed his people out. Their eyes weren't on survival, their eyes were on revival. We read in verse five that Philip went down to Samaria. This was a region to the north of Jerusalem and Judea. And what is important for us to know is that the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. The Jews viewed the Samaritans as impure and unclean. Now at the time you can imagine that this move by Philip greatly offended many of the Jews. But often breaking down cultural barriers might look like going to the people or the person that 
we feel least comfortable going to, the people we might not naturally gravitate towards. I think what John Wimber said is true, that God often offends the mind to reveal the heart. But this offence didn't stop Philip as he pressed on to do the will of the one who sent him. And so like Philip, we are invited to step out in obedience and in power. And this means being a people characterised by our risk taking. This is something foundational to the vineyard movement and indeed the early church. I recently listened to Bill Johnson preach on paying the price for revival. And an observation he made was in the early days of the vineyard, he visited a Signs and Wonders conference run by John Wimber and some of the others. And his comment was that their teaching was the same, but their willingness to take risks was different. And I believe that that is something that we are being called to as a church, where we have a willingness to step out and take risks. And I believe this starts by being open to the work of the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day -day moments. I love how Mark Batterson defines spiritual maturity. He says, spiritual maturity is seeing and seizing God-ordained opportunities. And the beautiful thing is that we don't have to manufacture these moments for ourselves because the Holy Spirit is already at work and we are invited to partner with what he's already doing. A couple of months ago, I was on my way home from some university lectures for the day. And up on the hill where I live, there's a, a bench and a park area. And as I was walking through, there was a guy sat on the bench. We made eye contact, but I quickly moved on. And I got around the corner when I felt a tug in my stomach. I felt the Holy Spirit say, go back and talk to this man. So I spent the next 30 seconds wavering, thinking, is this really God or is this me? But I just had to find out. And so I turned around and went back to this guy. And to cut a long story short, he told me that he was a spiritualist. And that that day he had been walking home when he felt a voice in his head tell him to stop and sit and wait for someone to bring him a message. So he looked at me and said, well, what's your message? And we, we were able to talk about Jesus for the next hour. And he later invited Jesus into his heart. And I share this story to emphasise the point that God is setting up these divine appointments in our everyday moments, day by day, moment by moment that this is not something that was pre-planned. This is not something we have to wake up and organise in the morning, but God is simply inviting us to be receptive to his spirit in the moment. And so to summarise, if we as a church want to participate in what God is doing in this season of scattering, I believe that we can look to the early church as a people who took a collective ownership of the gospel, recognising their role in God's wider global mission. They were a people who shared the good news, communicating and demonstrating the kingdom of God wherever they went. And there are people who broke down cultural barriers, intentionally seeking out the people on the fringes of society and looking to partner with the Holy Spirit in their day-to-day -day moments. And I believe that as we step into this truth for ourselves, our impact for the kingdom will extend far beyond the city of Hull.